Mark, here we are, man. I know, right? Let's do this. <laughs> Long way from home, but I'm glad to be here with you, Luke. Yeah, um, I appreciate you coming to do it in person. And it's funny, I just got a text from my team uh, before we started, like, you have to be done by this time because he's going over to Josh Trent's to record a podcast. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know the logistics of the dis distance between yeah. you guys. So worked out well, though. He's <laughs> close by. Yeah, it's just funny. There's And you were on uh, Freddie Kimmel's podcast. Yeah. I think you guys did that remote. He's another yeah. friend of mine in Austin. But it's funny, there's kind of uh, podcast guest tours, right? Everyone comes in and kind of does a number of shows. Only thing that pisses me off is when people come in and do Joe Rogan, because then more people are going to hear that one. <laughs> well, it's all right. Maybe one day, man. Yeah, you got yeah. your niche. It's good. We're getting there. We're getting there. Uh, I want to let people know that uh, we are going to put the show notes at lukestory.com slash hydro. And there you will also find a couple past episodes that we've done about molecular hydrogen. So I'm going to link to those. And then uh, our guest, Mark, of course, I'm going to put links to all of your stuff, your clinic in uh, Tulsa and everything that you're up to. So we'll put all that in the show notes and you guys will find that link in the show description. So tell us a little bit about, uh, actually, you know what, before I go into this, I'm so curious about your history in law enforcement. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that was... Uh... And that you were doing SWAT. I'm like, imagining what that was like for your nervous system. Well, it was a challenge, you know, because... Uh prior to that, I was a professional baseball player. And then to go from that to uh, law enforcement and, and do that for so many years, I, I was on the SWAT team after uh, about three years on. So it was pretty early in my career. And um, you mentioned the nervous system. It's, it's a different place. It's a different game. I mean, because police officers in general are, are taught that every encounter can be their last. I mean, that's how you live. Even uh, after I retired, it took me probably five years to where I could go sit in a restaurant with my back to the door. I mean, it was, it's, it's kind of a weird deal. And that's um, why a lot of police officers are sick, you know, and that kind of got me into where I am today. But during that time, though, look, you kind of go into that zone, man. And so fear is fear is fear, but fear can't control you. So you, you figure out a way to sort of hone it in where you, there's something you got to do. And even though you know you could die, you sort of walk past that. And if you can manage that right, it can make you stronger, right? And if you don't manage it right, it can break you down. And so there's a fine line in there uh, for law enforcement officers. And I have deep compassion for them. Most of them right now uh, are on, you know, blood pressure meds, sleep meds, uh, antidepressants, uh, blood sugar meds. And so it does a number on your system. And, um, you know, thankfully, I'm, I'm here today to talk about it, you know, and it didn't didn't affect me in a way that uh, it, it does many. That's wild. I'm just imagining the chronic stress. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I, on the other hand, spent uh, the early portion of my life as a criminal running from guys like you. There you go. And that's also stressful because you're always looking over your back. You're never sitting in a restaurant with your back to the door because you might get caught doing whatever naughty stuff you're up to, you know? Um, so yeah, it's funny. I just think I've often wondered, man, what's that like from the from the other side? And it, it's interesting because um, I had a, a kind of a change in my perspective after about ten years on. I was still on the SWAT team, but I realized that only for a few choices in life, only you know, nobody picks their parents. You know, you don't pick where you're raised. You don't pick your environment in which you're raised. And so I realized at about ten years on, Luke, that um, man, only a couple of decisions could have put me over there. And I realized everybody's the same. And so 
it wasn't anymore us against them or me against somebody else. It, it became different at that point in time. It was a big shift and it was probably in the late nineties. And, and I just realized at that point, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to treat people right. I'm just doing my job and that's it. It's nothing personal. And it, it, it grieved my heart to have to put people in jail, even though part of the job, because they're just people that made wrong turns and wrong decisions in life. And I could have been the same way. So it was a big, a big shift for me in that time. And I think it probably happens, hopefully, earlier in their career for many law enforcement officers. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people out there committing crimes are people that have experienced trauma. Totally. And have just never had the opportunity to deal with it. I mean, especially when you're talking about, you know, people that are using and dealing drugs. I mean, that whole industry is based on a foundation of trauma. And I know that from, from my own life. I never would have become a drug addict, I don't think, if I hadn't had a traumatic childhood, you know? It, it is. And a lot of people don't understand what you just said. And I hope people that are listening right now will take a re-listen to that because that's powerful because your, your childhood traumatic events, I mean, there's been all kinds of studies on that, how it can affect you later in life. And it's almost like we take our, our childhood trauma and carry those into adulthood. And we either decide to put down those childhood toys you know, that's kind of what it boils down to. We don't. And if we don't, we become more and more childish and make more goofy childish decisions. And if we do, uh, well, that can be maturity and it can be a great uh, learning experience and a great journey in life, you know, like you've had. Yeah, 100%. So you're, you've had a great life, man. So you're a pro baseball player, work in law enforcement for many years, and then I'm assuming go back to school and study medicine. What did your cohorts in law enforcement think when you thought, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to retire from this and, and go move into healthcare? Eight years before I finally went off the books as far as retired goes, um, I was transferred to the police academy. And part of my job was to train, you know, the younger officers in uh, health, a whole bit, right? I was in charge of recruiting and um, kind of a lot of different programs. And it was interesting because I was put in charge of a wellness program that didn't exist. So I kind of went on this mission to travel around to different departments around the country to determine best practices. And I, I didn't really know what I was looking at, didn't know what I was looking for, but I thought that I would know it when I found it. Well, I didn't find it because no program really dealt with this idea of um, health and officer safety as one and the same. I, I thought it really was because I saw men and women dying and the average age of death for police officers right now, for the most part, is about 66 years of age, which wow. hasn't changed, wow. right, in 50 years. And so that tells you a lot right there just in that one statement. But I wanted to figure out why. And so I didn't really find out. So I went back and I started our own wellness program. And that got me into sort of asking the question, why? Well, why is that? <laughs> that question's kind of driven me all these years. And so I got into it and I started taking every course I could find, whether it was police-related or not, just health-related. And, and I, I learned a lot about, you mentioned the autonomic nervous system. I learned a lot about stress. I learned what it does to the physical body. I learned about what shift work does. Um, just a lot of stuff right there. And I started taking some courses. I started taking some classes because it was going to help me on my career. The more I get into it, I, I just knew that the next chapter of my life needed to be a little bit different. And it didn't really change much. It just, it just kind of changed perspectives, maybe context a little bit. And so I decided to go back to school within that last eight years. And I was, you know, working through the day and school at night. It was hard. I mean, really challenging. I mean, 
talk about not getting much sleep and a lot of stress. But probably about three years before I finally made the decision that I'm going to go that direction full time, I told some colleagues, you know, I, I kind of kept to myself, but I told some colleagues and they, they pretty much uh, shot me down because who does that? Who, who is in school in their 40s? Who does that? <laughs> and um, again, but I'm a, I'm a guy, even with baseball, I wasn't the best pay- player, you know, but nobody was going to work harder. That was the point. And so I, I kind of set out to prove him wrong in one hand. On the other hand, I set out to fulfill what I thought I was called to do. So it was no looking back. I wasn't going to let anybody talk me out of something I needed to do. It seemed like a lonely road for a while, Luke, because there wasn't much, wasn't much support. And I'm older than everybody else. And, <laughs> and, and I try to stay young as best I can, man. But uh, And you were in Oklahoma, which yeah. you know, I've only been there twice, but I, I wouldn't consider Oklahoma to be one of the more forward-thinking, progressive states. You know what I mean? No, so man, we're like, terrible in health. I mean, we're horrible in health. And it's one of the worst in that state. You know, there's plenty of clients, I'll tell you right now, in the world, really, with our trends of uh, sickness it is. But uh, no, in that time and place, it wasn't... Um, I think people thought I'd lost my mind a little bit, but, but I'd always kind of been into this idea of health. You know, I started lifting weights when I was in Australia playing baseball, believe it or not. I had nothing to do during the day. So I just started getting into training and learning about the physical body and, um, have results. And then people wanted to ask, ask questions. And so it just kind of one thing leading on top of the other and brings me here today. Well, you mentioned shift work and it, it brought to mind, and I've never thought about this, but out of the different professions that one could choose, I think working in the medical industry is probably the worst in terms of blue light exposure, circadian disruption, EMF exposure, crappy food that they have in the hospitals, you know. Then when you, you mentioned law enforcement, I'm thinking, man, these people are driving around all night under artificial light. You got all this, all your communications apparatus in the vehicles, all this EMF, right? All these walkie-talkies and radios and stuff all around you. You're up all night, and you're out there drinking Dunkin' Donuts, totally. <laughs> you know, coffee. I didn't, but yes, Florid- coffee. Yes, you fluoridated you water, you yeah. know, drinks and fast food because you're out there. It's not. I can't imagine many law enforcement are packing a lunch of organic, grass-fed liver or whatever. No, you know what I'm saying? no. So it's a, it's a, you probably, you know, and add to that the stress and the PTSD of dealing with uh, potential, well, not potential, but I'm sure very often violent situations, life-threatening situations, you know, the damage to your ears from firearms training and spontaneous eruptions of firearms use on the job and stuff. It's a, it's a brutal job. So uh, congratulations on making it through that. Well, I appreciate it. Not a lot of people don't think about those things in law enforcement, but I'm glad you brought them up. But with that said, the, the health, unhealth, most unhealthy groups that I deal with today are going to be, um, you know, law enforcement, first responders, physicians, teachers, and probably pastors, believe it or not. Really? That, that group is so unhealthy, but yet you think about the need for that group in our world. We need them, but yet they have the most uh, challenges with their health today. And uh, law enforcement, a lot of people don't think about this when they they're dealing with lead all the time with those bullets. They're putting those bullets in the gun. So they're, the, the lead effect it has on their methylation, which is profound, making them not produce. I mean, I know you know a little bit of biochemistry. Make them not produce the serotonin and dopamine. So they're, they're depressed. And so it just kind of one thing leads to the other. And we don't tend to put that together in mainstream. And hopefully one day they will. But 
you know, we're still working at it. That's, that's crazy. I never thought about the lead. But, you know, one thing that just came to mind when I thought about EMF is police officers that are sitting there with a radar gun in their car. The EMF coming off those things totally. must be insane. It's got to be, you know, and I don't know who even thinks about measuring that. And then you think about the, uh, the vest they have on and the gun belt pulling to the side, you know, it's, it's imbalanced. It's about a 20 pound extra of gear that's imbalanced. So you have the, the back issues, the pain issues, the chronic inflammatory issues. It, it's a pretty rough, pretty rough life. And I think there's a reason they don't live very long. Yeah. 66, man. That's terrible. That's like, man, I'm, I'm, what am I? I'm 52 right now. I'm like, man, that's a few years from now. But thank God I'm not in that profession. Why do you think pastors are having such a hard time? With- well, I mean, I'll just give a straight up answer, you know, um, in the idea of the Americanized church, which, you know, even where you live, they're on every corner. They don't know about health. I know it sounds contrary and quite contradicting, but they don't know about health because, and I can prove an example, how many people out here know a church group that promotes driving youth to the building by giving them pizza and cookies and donuts and sodas to bait them to come there, knowing full well we've got type 2 diabetes that's ravishing our society. So we're actually creating unhealthiness, using it as a tool to get people into a place in a group, which seems so antithetical compared to what they're supposed to be doing, you know, because I believe we walk around this amazing creation called the human body. It's, it's incredible. So why would we encourage destroying it? That's one angle. And I think the other angle is um, with the idea of pastors, there's such a struggle today with the idea of the 501c3. They are uh, bent on and living on the donations, right? And so if you say something contrary or change the culture, you know, if you were to come in one day and say, pretend I'm the pastor and you're the congregation, hey, Luke and everybody else, we're going to do something different. There's no such thing as a donut ministry anymore because that's destroying health. Uh, we're going to not uh, teach our kids to eat garbage. We're going to not promote sickness anymore. We're going to value this body, even as God's word says, as the temple. We're going to do that. How many people is that going to make mad? They're going to take their toys slash offerings and go to another place. And so they're under a lot of pressure. And I, I think they're, you know, they're called on to be the, uh, the leader, the, the guide, the mentor, the counselor, the everything. So there's those three prongs that really attack them. And it takes a, a unique sort to really, in, in all these areas we talked about, it takes a unique sort to really step up and true, truly walk into the idea of leadership. Leadership is not doing what everybody else does. It's doing what everybody else won't. Leadership is not following the group. No, it's going out there by yourself sometimes. I kind of picture it as the Titanic scenario. You know, you're out in the front of that boat, you know, and you're, you're getting all the winds and the waves and it's, it's painful, but you got to do it because somebody has to carve that trail. And, and, you know, I believe right now, you know, in, in the space that we're in, I think we're carving a trail out here. And I think a lot of people are going to be uh, blessed by it all, you know, in the years to come. Yeah. Yeah. I, n- I never thought about that with, uh, you know, the food in churches and a, it's cheap and it's also enticing to bring people in. And it reminded me of the couple of decades I spent in 12 step groups and you, you walk in those meetings and you have people that are really ill in most cases when they, when they first go in and, uh, 
And they always have a table full of donuts and cookies and and really bad instant coffee. <laughs> you know, it's like you got people that are already dysregulated and you're giving them a bunch of sugar and crappy caffeine and fluoridated water and all this stuff. It's it's really antithetical to bringing people back to balance and health and regulating their mood and hormones and neurotransmitters and all the things that are really important for someone to stay sober. They trade one addiction for the other. I mean, you can look at all kinds of studies. I think the one that probably sticks with me the most that will never be repeated with, never be done with humans was, was studies that have been repeated with rats. You put rats in a cage, scientists have done this many, many times, and you have two different bins in which they can grab their food. And then the scientists change the bins amount. They put sugar in one and they put cocaine in the other. Which bin do the rats always gravitate to in a few minutes? It's not the cocaine, it's the sugar. Because sugar drives the dopaminergic pathways as strong as cocaine does. But because of our inherent desire to eat, we have to eat to live. We don't have to take drugs to live. We're drawn that way. So some of those groups, you know, and I've spoken with them many times, they're as much as I am supportive of getting people off drugs and alcohol, you know, pornography, anything that can, can take away their life, right? We cannot trade one addiction for the other. And we've got to really deal with the balancing process of all of it. 100%. Yeah, yeah. That, that's funny. Thing. I never heard that about the rats, but I thought when you said that, I thought, well, it makes sense because cocaine doesn't taste very good. No, sugar does. <laughs> Quite bitter. Yeah. <laughs> Numbs your mouth and tastes like crap. If you're listening and you want to cut down on the microbes, fungus, and mold in your body, but you don't want to mess with the uh, antibiotic-resistant bacteria, it might be time to try a natural solution that's been used for centuries, colloidal silver. Not only that, but the patented silver soul technology from Silver Biotics doesn't harm the beneficial bacteria while doing its job in the body. Unfortunately, other brands can harm probiotics with as little as three parts per million. And Silver Biotics has tons of ways for you to get the benefits of colloidal silver that are safe, non-toxic, and have no known side effects. They've got creams for healthy skin and even a new anti-aging facial serum, plus silver-infused drops, sprays, and lozenges to boost your immune system, and oral care products like whitening toothpaste and gel, of which I am a huge fan. In fact, I always pack the lozenges and the spray in my bag when I'm doing some air travel. And one of my favorites is their first aid armor gel to take care of cuts and burns. It's even good on sunburns and bug bites, which I found to be very useful here in Texas. So head over to silverbiotics.com to check out their whole range of products and use the code LUKE to save a massive 30% off your entire order. And heads up, if you've got pets, make sure to check out that product too. I give it to our dog Cookie on the reg, and it's pretty damn amazing. Again, visit silverbiotics.com and use the code LUKE at checkout. Well, I appreciate you going down those those uh, off-topic rabbit holes with me. For those listening, if you saw the title of the show, I promised to talk about hydrogen. I'm obsessed with hydrogen. I've done many podcasts about it. It is a fascinating and really almost endless topic. It's the most prevalent molecule in the known universe and has so uh, such a wide variety of healing benefits, yet it still, for some reason, is relatively obscure outside of the alternative medicine space. And so that's why I like to keep talking about it and talking about it and talking about it because it's been so beneficial to me and so many 
so many people I know. Um, I think out of, you know, if I had to pick a top 10 health intervention list and you, you stop the other 200 things that I do every day to feel good, hydrogen would make the cut. Absolutely. And we're, my world as we're well. sitting here now. We've got our hydrogen water brewing. For those watching the video, you, you'll be able to see that. Um, so I guess I want to start with, well, I think it's interesting for you because you're a practitioner, right? And so I'm not. I don't work with other people and help them to heal themselves. Um, you do. So you have, I'm sure, some anecdotal you know, evidence that I wouldn't have on like what this looks like in practical application. But uh, maybe take us back to how you first discovered using hydrogen in a supplemental way. So my wife and I are heavily trained in the idea of, of uh, genetics, first and foremost. So we understand all the biochemical pathways. We're um, deep involved in the instruction of genetics for physicians here in this country and abroad. Just recently returned from Los Angeles teaching a group of physicians there about genetics. And so with the idea of genetics, we're all 99 point something odd percent just alike, which is crazy. Uh, we have genetic similarities of 96 percentile with chimpanzees. We have genetic similarities with the trees and the shrubs and the ground because we're, we're, we're all from that same DNA, which is, is really cool. But within that dissimilarity portion, which is less than 1 percent, there's so many different variables with the way those genes combine to form uh, their alphabet. So the genetic alphabet has four letters, A, T, C, G, adenine, thiamine, cytosine, and guanine. And those are known as nucleotides. So when mom and dad Luke come together, boom, you know, they're like potatoes. And they smash together to create Luke's story. Then you have a new mashed potato, which is you. But when those 23 chromosomes from mom and dad come together and wind together in the nucleus, those genes, they actually create different letters combinations, just slight changes. Those single letter changes are called single nucleotide polymorphisms. And that's where we get the term SNPs. So you start looking at these things within different systems of the body. In the system of our oxidative stress, you know, the redox balancing where we, we get uh, free radicals, then they get neutralized. Free radicals, then they get neutralized. Pretty amazing. But within that process, we all neutralize free radicals differently. And so I saw that in the genetics and I would teach that. And as I got into those SNPs, single nucleotide polymorphisms that broke down those free radicals, because everybody listening would understand that excessive free radicals could increase the aging process, speed. Um, Denham uh, thought of a new term called the free radical theory, theory of aging way back when. So the idea behind this is that we need to make sure that excessive free radicals that have no purpose don't get built up in the system. And so when I looked at the biochemistry of it all, I realized that there's only one molecule that will mop up the most damaging free radical, which is called hydroxyl radical. And that molecule is hydrogen. It's the only thing that does that. Now, we, we generally produce it in the gut. But as we age and with people's gut dysfunction, you know, today with the, the microbiome variances, we don't get that done. And so people are aging so rapidly. And there's a difference between chronological aging and biological aging. I get it, man. You said you're 52, huh? I'll be 59 in a couple of days. I can't believe that. It freaks me out, you know? But the thing is, 
that's just a calendar thing. That's just a watch. That means nothing, right? It doesn't matter. What matters is, is how are you biologically aging? And that's a whole different process that there is some measurables out there with that we do. But within that oxidative stress pathway, the hydroxyl rattle, radical, when it builds up, there is no good purpose for that. It will create lipid damage, cardiovascular disease, neuro damage, neurological inflammation, and it speeds up the, the aging process. It damages your cells. And the process behind that is fascinating because now we can take a machine like this, infuse hydrogen gas into the water without changing the molecular structure of that water, and we can drink it. And that comes into and through our bodies. It comes into our gut. It hits our liver, and it gets into our lungs before we know it. In about 15 minutes, you just took a drink. You'll be expiring that excess hydrogen. It's, it's so fast. It gets through the system because no other molecule is that small. People on the chemical element table can look up. It's the far left corner. It's number one. And there's a reason for that. It makes up everything. It makes up matter. It, makes up, it takes up space. It is what it is beginning of the formation of the universe. It's what it is. And to think that we have that technology right now is, is pretty mind-blowing. And I, too, like you, would, would put this probably my top five of things that people can do that are easy, that anybody can do, everybody needs to do, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, and children. Parents do not need to neglect their children. As far as I'm concerned, and that machine should be in every household in America. 100%. You know, one thing I was curious about that just came to mind is, do you happen to know, so for those listening and for those watching, you'll see there's a, this water contraption sitting between us because I just had the idea. I was like, if we're going to talk about it, we might as well be using it. Uh, do you know how long the, the PPM, the parts per million or the concentration of the hydrogen in this machine, which is called the Hydrofix, how long it stays in and when we pour this into a glass like how how fast does it dissipate where now you don't have hydrogen in the water and i asked that because as i was prepping for this interview i thought why am i not feeding this to our dog and cat but it sometimes takes two days for the dog to drink her little bowl of water so i'm like well the hydrogen be gone it really it varies because the minute you that little membrane on top of that picture there. It holds the gas in. People can realize it like this, uh, a carbonated beverage, like a carbonated water or something like that, one of those bubbly waters or something. The minute you pop that tab or unscrew that bottle, that carbon dioxide gas will begin to dissipate. And if you keep it uncovered, before you know it, you've got no fizz left, right? If you were to really tighten that down and crank that water up and pull that membrane off, you would hear it go because there's a, there's a pressurization there. Now, that's got a little bit of air around it where it doesn't create intense pressure. But that water will begin to see a dissipation of that hydrogen immediately, but it won't go away immediately. You probably got, for the most part, anywhere between an hour and about two hours to drink that down. And there's a lot of factors that would contribute to that. But it's not like we have to drink it immediately. So I look at it like this. Even if it took an hour to drink that glass of water, that is some hydrogen I get in my body that's extra on top of what I might or might not make that I know is going to provide benefit for me. And so there is a lot of people out there that might say, well, that hydrogen dissipating out of that quickly is, is hard to do. Well, that's what we know right now. 
there probably will be a come, in, come a point in time where we're able to, to contain that better. Now, I know that it is possible to store that in glass or to store it in aluminum with a covering on it, and you can keep that for a while, several hours. It's a little oh, bit cumbersome. Cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, you can. But again, it's hard to find a, a container that will do that. And who wants to carry around a glass bottle with a lid on it? So there's, there's variables out there. But the way I do it is kind of like this. I'll, I'll keep one of those in my office and I'll keep it at home. And I'll turn on that 30-minute cycle. I'll get a pot brewing, as I call it, you know. And I'll just leave it running and I'll drink the thing down. And it'll keep about 12 hours in that, in that pot right there, which is amazing. Uh, as it is. And so, you know, you pretty much got it at your disposal. Man, I encourage people to turn their coffee habit into a hydrogen habit, you know, because you can drink that all day long. Yeah. When I first got this thing, I had it uh, for the first few months, maybe a year sitting right on my desk, which is great because then I, I would, I, I forget to drink water like a lot of people, right? So I, I knew that I'd be very hydrated uh, and I'd be getting the hydrogen. So before a podcast or doing some deep work, I'd chug a huge cup of it. And it's, it's really easy to habituate. And then I realized I was kind of being selfish because no one else in the house is drinking it except me. So I moved it in the kitchen. Hydrogen hog. There you yeah, go. Yeah, exactly. So I'm getting better at going into the kitchen, remembering, you know, to uh, to use that water. But yeah, I was thinking about with the pets, you know, maybe I, maybe I could get the dog to drink it when we go for a a walk and she gets really hot and comes in thirsty. I could pour her some of that because I'm, well, I'm always looking for I think that's a good idea. You know, just when they, they come in immediately, they're going to get a couple of laps of water. You yeah, know, exactly. So might as well do it. Just pour a little bit in there. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. So when, when I first uh, found out about molecular hydrogen, I did a show uh, a few years ago with Tyler LeBaron. You might have heard of him. Oh, yeah. Know him. Good guy. Yeah. Great guy and super geek for hydrogen. Man, yeah. <laughs> if you want to know molecular anything. Molecular about... Hydrogen Institute. He, yeah. He's great. Good, yeah. good guy. Yeah. And he doesn't have any, uh, you know, horse in the race. He doesn't sell a product or anything. So he's got a good objective. And I appreciate that. You know, yeah. he's just a unbiased guy as best he can be. He's a hardcore researcher. But when I interviewed him and I found out about it, uh, I started using the hydrogen tablets. You know, there's Quicksilver makes them. A bunch of people make them. I think basically they're all the same, just kind of white labeled for there's 50 different sources brands. Out. We started using the tablets way back when from Quicksilver, Chris Shade, the whole yeah, group. Sure. He's a smart guy and uh, great biochemical mind. And so, yeah, I, same kind of deal with us. I mean, I like the idea of the convenience of that. But it does turn the water a little bit gray because that's that magnesium metal is what it is. So that that'll you'll get a little bit of, ta of a taste change with that. You don't with this. This is yeah. this is pretty pure. The water here tastes exactly the same. With with the tablets, I mean, I noticed immediately because um, I one thing I would use them for a lot is air travel, which I still do. I mean, they're in my backpack in my closet right now. I don't go anywhere and road trips. So when I'm you know when I'm just here living my life, I don't, I wouldn't really notice if I drank this hydrogen water, water with the tabs. It just, I don't know, you know, you feel pretty good, but it's not like, whoa, I feel different. But I noticed when I was really fatigued, uh, sleep deprived on an airplane, on a road trip, and I felt, I felt the inflammation and I just felt that brain fog coming on and all cool. that. I would put like four of those tabs in a glass of water, oh, yeah. make it super concentrated, drink that. Five minutes later, I'm a new man. And I was like, okay, there's definitely something to this. Uh, but the thing is with, with the tabs, which I still, as I said, I still use and I enjoy, they're amazing for travel. I can't take this thing with me on the airplane. Um, but it gets quite expensive. Yeah. They're, they're going to be about a dollar and a half, $2 a piece. And, uh, and I do the same thing. 
Um, in my bag right now, I have the tabs. I used them this morning. I, I got up. I had a big old glass with two tabs of hydrogen water because traveling airlines is not a fun process sometimes. You can't travel with this. And then I, I went up and I exercised. Then I came back and did it again. So I've had a couple of glasses of that today, and I went through four tabs already. You know, So just like you, it, it is convenient. It is more portable for the tabs, but it, it does change the taste a little bit. I mean, I was like so grateful to get a glass of that when you like, hey, because I've had the gray water. As we age, it's almost cliche for us to start packing on a few extra pounds around the old belly area. It just seems to be a natural byproduct of getting older and, of course, from eating more than our share of comfort foods. And yours truly is definitely guilty of both. And most of us like to look and feel fit, but apart from the vanity of having a flat tummy, increased abdominal fat is also associated with a higher risk of diabetes and heart disease. Now, of course, we can eat right and work out, but what if I told you there was an easy way to target abdominal fat and support your gut biome at the same time? Well, thankfully, there is. It's called SinFit by Infinity Biotechnology. SinFit is a breakthrough multi-strain symbiotic designed to reduce body fat by working with our gut flora. You might be asking, what is a symbiotic? Well, SinFit symbiotic is a combination of four ultra-powerful probiotic strains clinically demonstrated to fight the battle of the bulge. After they combine these strains, they're then synergized with a powerful prebiotic, all to create a novel and highly potent product for accelerated fat loss. If you want to check this stuff out and shed a couple pounds, here's what you do. Go to infinitybiotechnology.com and use the code LUKE10 to save 10% off your order. And the probiotics in SinFit, by the way, aren't just for fat loss. They're also to affect other important parameters such as key cardiovascular and metabolic health markers. So again, to tighten up that waistline, just go to infinitybiotechnology.com. Yeah, 100%. So after, you know, seeing the benefits and doing the research that, you, that you've done on hydrogen in general, and I want to dig more into, you know, the many benefits it has. Um, when you started researching devices, uh, I'm curious if you had the same experience as I that there is so much competition between the different menu. It's like a war zone out there Terrible. with the companies that make these hydrogen machines. Yep. There was one that came out. Uh, how was it? It ended up being a scam. Um, I forget what they were called right now, but they they got they came to me and wanted me to promote it, and I was like, ah, they're just their setup was just weird, so I didn't do it. Uh, Trucy, I think it was called Trucy. And, and they ended up just defrauding all these customers and influencers and stuff of all this money. So I dodged a bullet on that one. But when that happened, I, I just thought, man, the claims that the companies are making our machines the best, uh, your machine, if your machine's from China or Korea, it sucks. It has to be from Japan or Russia or wherever. It just got so confusing. And, and on every website, there was so much shit talking about the competitors. Oh, yeah. I just stepped away from it and I just stayed using the tabs, which, as I said, you know, is not very cost effective if you're using them as much as I was. So I went, I don't know, maybe two or three years and just kind of left the machines alone. And I thought, I'm just going to wait until someone figures it out and can prove to me unequivocally that their machine is cost effective, durable, and produces an adequate PPM right. of hydrogen. And then I found the guys at Holy Hydrogen and uh, I don't know who reached out to whom, but, um, you know, I researched and researched and I finally figured out 
at least to my understanding, I, I think I found the holy grail of the legitimate hydrogen machine for your house. Did you go through a similar process of like wanting to get a generator and just being so confused by all of the hype and marketing and yeah, capital Y E S and uh, et cetera. It was terrible because when the idea of how, you know, when you're in this space, you know, especially from a clinician standpoint, you're really an outcast. You're an oddball, you know? So, um, we started using the tabs and talking about them and everybody thought we were, you know, what is that? They didn't understand the biochemistry behind that. So, so then we started looking for machines and started going the same process you did. And it seemed like to me that the vendors out there were spending more time slamming somebody else than they were talking about the excellence of the science. And, and that was something I didn't frankly appreciate. You know, I was like, that's a turnoff. I don't want to deal with that. Trying to tell me why theirs is the best and everybody else's was not. And all I wanted to do, all I cared about was I wanted a machine that would produce an adequate amount, you know, the parts per million, the milligrams per milliliter or milligrams per liter. And I wanted to find something that was, was durable, that was, that was reasonable, you know, because I, I knew that spending the money on those tabs, I could do it, but it wasn't really cost effective. I wanted to find something that I could trust in. And for me, I wanted to find people that I could do business with that were that I liked, you know? I, I didn't want to be in the round of scammer. When you're in our space, man, I get approached by everything. As you can imagine, yeah, same, I mean, same. everything. I got an email last week from some Chinese company that emailed me in really broken English about, we know you like hydrogen. We promote our machine. <laughs> you know, just, there's no information on it. It looks big and bulky. I'm not getting any, I don't, you know, I couldn't, there was no like real data on it that was impressive to me. But Everybody wants to sell something. And the, the guys here, and I know them, I mean, um, they're nice people. You know, I spent time talking to them. I spent time picking their brain. And, I, and when, I, when I go through a process like this, I'm sure you did the same thing. You almost have to interview the person as a human being. Do I want to have any relationship with them? Do I want to have even a transactional relationship? Do I really want to deal with this? Because even the idea of transactional relationships like that, if it's a toxic relationship, I don't want any part of it. And there was a lot of toxicity out there, you know, pardon the play on words, a lot of toxicity out there in that world. And so uh, it was probably not until, um, I don't know, probably a year and a half ago, honestly, where I ran into them at an event. Somebody was asking me about it. And I'm like, uh, no, I'm good. Because I don't want to talk to you. But then I ran into them and they asked me if I'd heard of hydrogen. And I said, of course I have. And I think they thought that I was going to immediately shut them down. But I didn't. I'm not a rude guy like that. And so I listened to him. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm a big supporter of that machine myself. Cool, cool. Yeah, that uh, it's, it's the Wild West out there. Totally. <laughs> it's there's crazy. A, there's a few categories that are like that. Saunas, infrared saunas. Oh, like God. <laughs> very, very cutthroat, competitive. Uh, and, and these hydrogen machines and probably a couple of things I'm not... Oh, the red light industry. Oh, yeah. You know, it's just like... I, I guess Stem it's a, cells, that's another one. Yeah, I guess it's a thing where, you know, it's a phenomenon, right, where there's there's a market opportunity, there's a demand, and that's like blood and water to the sharks of people that have that sort of scarcity mentality that there's not enough humans on the planet to sell stuff to, right? Which I've never understood. I mean, it's like, if you look at 
the population of the planet versus how many people have this hydrogen machine. I mean, it's it's zero 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 zero. It's like barely anyone. Um, so that means you have billions of people out there to buy your products. It's unnecessary to get territorial and competitive yeah. and weird. You get- point zero zero one percent of that you're, you're going to be a billionaire exactly i mean it's pretty obvious yeah exactly so anyway i just wanted to riff on that to see if your experience was the same, same. and i felt relieved after i found uh holy hydrogen in this machine because then i could just stop i don't have to like grill people's websites and get on the phone with the ceos and grill them because a lot of issues i found too is not only like the weird and deceptive marketing but a lot of these machines use electrolysis to produce the hydrogen gas, and maybe you could explain yeah. better to us why that's not ideal. Well, when I think about electroly- electrolysis versus the protein exchange membrane concept, or even the tablets, you know, electrolysis, I mean, when you think about that as a sense, and even the metals that are used, there's no plated metals here. That's interesting to know. It's, it's good, solid process. And when I look at the electrolysis, I don't get, from a testing standpoint, we don't get the natural saturation point or even a close to it produced continually. And that pains me because, and even though people might wonder what the saturation point is, it's 1.6 parts per million, trans or parts per billion, translated 1.6 milligrams per liter. Same difference. But with electrolysis, you're not going to get what you're getting with that machine. This machine, the way it's constructed, you're going to get a consistency. You're not going to get impurities in there. You're going to get what you get. And, and that's what I want. You know, I don't want uh, all the bells and whistles. I'm mean, even thinking right now the alkaline water push. You know? <laughs> oh, God. That was a crazy one because yeah. even from the standpoint of pH, comes in alkaline, it's going to leave alkaline regardless because your pH is going to go acidic to non-acidic as you go south, I call it, you know? So when I looked at that, really the benefits behind that have been shown to be the hydrogen in the water. So fascinating, you know? But, when I look at that machine, the way that generates the hydrogen, and I think you've got your blue light on them, but I can't see it. Pretty cool. That's the one for me with the purity of the quality and the uh, specificity of that. Crea- and it's been independently tested too. Yeah. Uh, you've reminded me of another industry that's really weird and crazy, and that's the alkaline water totally. industry. Like, um, th- oh, no. There was like 15, yeah, about 15 years ago, I, I was pitched uh, from an MLM rep for Kangen water. Kangen water, oh, yeah. And I took it hook, line, and sinker. They had all the different sodas and drinks and did the, you know, the pH testing strips on them, and I was, oh, my God, I'm killing myself drinking, you know, Pellegrino or whatever. So I bought one of the machines for like five grand and I became a rep for a very short time. I don't think I made any sales uh, because then I figured out that I'm living in LA. I got the machine hooked up to municipal tap water and then it's going through two tiny little filters about this big that aren't taking out any of the toxins in the water and giving me, you know, maybe a a, a great negative ORP, like oxidative uh, reduction potential, which could be beneficial, kind of an antioxidant water. And, and it may have had some benefits, but I realized the water was so toxic. And then someone told me, they said, Luke, why are you, why are you so excited about the alkaline water? I said, well, it, I, wanted my, I want my body to be more alkaline and not be acidic because an acidic body leads to cancer and all these other things. And my buddy goes, you know how, he said, you know what the pH of your digestive tract is and whatever it was for some, you know, it's super acidic. He goes, the second you drink that water, it's getting acidified by your stomach. And 
if you want to be more alkaline, just take some deep breaths. <laughs> you know, now take some deep breaths, eat some vegetables. Yeah, good. Yeah. You know, it's not this that is hard. kind of before the breath work craze, you yeah. know. But now there's all this research about breath work because it's come become ubiquitous and popular, and it's shown that you can, you know, elevate your pH by just doing breath work. You know, totally. need the water. So I still get questions from people all the time. What do you think of Kangen water Kangen machines? And I just thought, God, didn't everyone figure out these things are a scam by now? I guess there's the marketing push is still alive and well. And yeah, I think probably with that, and it's it, it goes back to you know the money when when something becomes about money first, you get compromised with it, and it becomes profits over people. And we have a rule in our clinic, you know, we put this in our bylaws probably uh, ten years ago when. We just got going because we get approached all the time. No MLMs, period. Don't care if it's valid. Don't care if it's not because we didn't want to cloud our uh, judgment and treatment patterns looking at an individual. I did not want to look at the Lukes of the world and and see an opportunity versus Luke. You know, and I know what kind of, I mean, I try to be a honest guy. You know, I try to work those principles, but I'm a human being and I'm just as, fallible as anybody else. I can do something dumb and something good at the same breath. And I know that. And I don't want to have that temptation there. So we made that rule for that reason. With that said, a lot of the MLMs, and, and again, I'm not knocking anybody if they're doing that. That's fine. But I've seen them damage relationships. I've seen them damage friendships. And I've seen them damage people's lives because they'll go from one to the other to the other because it can be a nice influx of cash. And in reality, the people at the top are getting rich, you know, and the people that are working out there for them, for them are getting pushed. Talk to the beginning of the show about stress. I don't, I don't need that stress. If you do the right things for the right reasons with the right heart, money and um, provision always follow truth. They always do. And I, I can't figure all that out, but I know that that principle is concrete. 100%. Uh, do you find any utility in drinking alkaline water? I mean, aside from the marketing and, you know, all of that, I mean, do you, do you think it's drinking Kangen water is beneficial? <laughs> well, I think it goes back to the idea. I, I, it would be beneficial because it's got hydrogen in it. So yes to that. But it all goes back to what kind of water you're putting through that machine. You know, if you're not putting pure water in there, what's it doing? It's staying impure. I think additionally, like you said, the pH of the gut, four point something, the time you get it out the backside, you know, you're looking at, at seven. So it, it's going to change it. So for people to say it's going to change the pH of your, of your system, it's not true. It doesn't work like that. I mean, it's a good sales point because of what you just said. It is true that the body preferentially wants to be in an alkaline environment as opposed to an acidic environment. We all know that the cancer uh, phenomena is going to proliferate in a high sugar, high acidic environment. We all know that. So I, I, if it does anything out there, it could help with perhaps the hydrogen content of it. If they get pure water and if it gets them thinking about eating more vegetables and breathing better, I'd be good with that. Right. <laughs> okay. That's great. Uh, okay. So back to, back to the hydrogen water. I, I, I feel like I should understand how hydrogen works better at this point because I've interviewed so many smart people like you. When people ask me why I'm so obsessed about it, I think of hydrogen water as a, a really potent antioxidant and something that helps to mitigate the levels of free radicals in your body, which are naturally produced 
by us making energy. And then I've listened to some of your interviews and you have a much more in-depth analysis and explanation for it. So could you explain to us the, the selective nature of its antioxidant and um, uh, other beneficial properties? Yeah, the, when you look at free radicals, which people are familiar with, those would be like a, uh, uh, a molecular compound that is, is basically missing an electron, roaming around and trying to steal something from another, another cell. And that, that makes it radical. And it's, it's, it's free, right? And so when those things get generated in the system on a normal process, breathing, talking, doing an interview, walking, exercise, part of the process of life, there are free radicals that do really good jobs for us in a temporary window of basis like, like superoxide, like hydrogen peroxide. People have heard of that, you know. It, those are good, but they're not supposed to be raging out of control. And so the body has these little enzymes in it that actually see those free radicals, allows them to do what they do, and then cuts them in half and turns them into water and water and oxygen, respectively. Again, so it, it turns them from a, a, a partially useful molecule into a now recycled molecule. Pretty cool how the body does that. And again, like I was talking earlier, there's, there's different ways we all do that. Like for example, uh, some people can have a, uh, a glass of wine and it might create a little neurotoxicity. Some people can have a glass of wine and it wouldn't. There's protein enzymes that break down that fast or slow. Same is true with caffeine. So we're all different in the way we break those free radicals down. When you look at the science behind this, and you look at the idea of antioxidants. People have heard many times, well, I'm going to take my antioxidants because I want them to uh, you know, fix those free radicals. So I take my vitamin C, my vitamin E, et cetera. But it doesn't work like that. The body's antioxidant system is so much more powerful than what we can bring in through um, pills or supplements. I'm not saying those are bad. Or blueberries. Exactly, <laughs> right? You know, so we need to understand how our systems work. And then when we look at just a general antioxidant, it'll just, um, you know, reduce anything, right? It's, so for example, your body's own natural antioxidant system can break down free radicals at about a thousand per second, which is really cool compared to like vitamin C. It's like a one-to-one. -one. So you'd have to take loads of vitamin C to get it to sort of uh, affect perhaps your antioxidant system and potential. With that said, when you look at hydrogen, it's not just an overall general antioxidant. It doesn't work like that because it's produced in the body anyway, which is cool. And it has a selective uh, function as a normal course of business. Its selective function, Luke, is to diminish, dismiss, cut in half, I like to say, one free radical, which is called hydroxyl radical. And that's not hydrogen peroxide. That's not superoxide. But those things, when they don't get broken down properly through not having a good cellular nutritional base, you know, not having a good antioxidant um, absorption and assimilation in your cells, they allow hydroxyl radical to build, get built up. That's what happens when we have poor nutrition. It's what happens when we're exposed to toxins in the air and the water and chemicals all around us. When hydroxyl radical gets built up, our body has that chance to redo that with production of hydrogen. As we talked earlier, most people don't have good gut function. 
So there you go. We have a problem. Some people can't help it. They live in an environment that's just toxic, right? So we, we walk in stuff. We live in stuff that hurts us. But when you think about hydrogen, you bring it in there, it looks at one free radical and selectively, not just broadly, but selectively will dismantle free radical hydroxyl radical. There's nothing else that does that because you're bringing in something the body produces anyway and making it more, more available in a system where it's not available. And that's what I find is unique about it because it's so selective. It just doesn't blanketly pull them all out. I look at this and I think people would get this example. An antibiotic. An antibiotic looks at all your probiotics as enemies and it will kill it all. Is that necessary sometime? I, I guess, maybe, perhaps, you know, in different conditions. But it's not selective. We all know that. That's why we get antibiotic resistance. And that's why we have gut dysbiosis or microbiome dysfunction because of that. Chronic antibiotic use. And they're used too chronically today, by the way. Um, this doesn't kill all the free radicals. Just the one that causes no good purpose to occur in our body. And again, it'd be like looking at your microbiome and saying, I'm going to take an antibiotic. I'm drawing a syn synonymous with this that just takes care of that one bacteria that's causing me problems. We don't have that yet. You know, maybe we will one day. But from the free radical system, we do right now. This is not a recent discovery. The body produces it anyway, which is so cool to me. We just are discovering what the body does. And thankfully, we have scientists who have figured out something so simple that has such a complex function and such a selectively beneficial function that we have this that we can use. There's so much potential here that I think is unrealized. Nowadays, the PSYOPs are coming at you fast and furious on Planet Clown. But did you know that your shoes are also a PSYOP? Most shoes today have serious issues. First, they smash your toes into a narrow point that keep you from walking naturally. They've also got cushioning and unnecessary, quote, support that weaken your feet. And lastly, they're made with endocrine-disrupting plastics, which you definitely don't want on one of the most sensitive parts of your body. Basically, most shoes these days are just petroleum-based plastic foot prisons. Womp womp. But I'm going to help you free your feet right now. Rizal's shoes are handmade of all leather, that's real leather, with a wide toe box that promotes natural movement. The first style, the one that I have and love, by the way, is called the Brio. It has a soft nubuck leather upper, and even the sole is just water buffalo leather. These shoes are insanely comfortable, just like being barefoot, but with just enough protection. What I love about them is I can feel the natural bumps and textures of the ground, but there's just enough of a sole to protect my feet from getting scraped up or nasty and dirty. Risals are legit the next best thing to wearing no shoes at all. And the Brios that I have are chill and perfect for casual wear, but you can also dress them up as needed too. They don't look ridiculous like some of the uh, minimal footwear out there. Find your Rizal style at risal.co slash Luke 10. That's R-H-I-Z-A-L, risal.co slash Luke 10, and use the code Luke 10 to get your 10% off. And here's a bonus hot tip for you, and perhaps my favorite part. Rizal shoes are also grounded. The natural leather sole is fairly conductive on its own, 
but it's also got a copper plug that creates an undeniable connection. And I love knowing I'm grounding more anytime I pop these bad boys on. Again, that's risel.co slash loop10. I had an idea. Actually, I was mentioning my friend Ian Mitchell, uh, who also lives in Tulsa, who I'd love to introduce you to. He's a great guy and brilliant scientist. We were talking about hydrogen one day uh, in the context of uh, hyperbaric chambers. because he, he built this crazy, it looks like a submarine, this steel. Oh, yeah. He just built his own. Like I'm like, why didn't you buy one? Side. Yeah. He said, well, I said, why don't you just buy one? You know, you could afford it. He said, well, I want mine to be higher pressure, this, that. So he's had his welder out there building it. And I had the idea as we were talking about hydrogen. I said, man, could, couldn't we make a, um, you know, a hydrogen chamber where you can push all that hydrogen gas into your plasma like a hyperbaric oxygen chamber does? And I think he mentioned something about uh, the, the flammability of yeah, hydrogen. Yeah, it's explosive, man. <laughs> now, this won't blow up, you know, but... Yeah. but Hot molecular hydrogen is is an explosive. Yeah, I have a, a another device in my office, an inhaler from uh, this company, Vital Reaction, and I I got you know the maximum ppm you could get, and I said, well, can't, can't you make it higher? And they said, well, if you want to blow yourself up, yeah. Uh, but uh, it it reminded me of um, when I, I used to have a hyperbaric chamber for many years, and I found it kind of bothered my tinnitus, so unfortunately, I had to sell it eventually. But uh, one day I hooked up my hydrogen inhaler to the hyperbaric machine because I had the oxygen concentrator going in there and I have a cannula, right? I thought, well, I'm, I'm going to try it. I didn't realize that the oxygen concentrator produces enough pressure to fight against the pressure of the chamber. So I have my little tiny little hydrogen uh, gas machine hooked up to the, to the cannula hose get in there, zip myself up. And then the, the pressure, it starts to pressurize and I hear boom. And I blew the damn, <laughs> I blew the damn hydrogen machine across no the room. Cause way. it, you know, the back pressure from oh, the yeah. chamber Pushed backwards hit that. And it, you know, it was a disaster. So I learned my lesson, but anyway, that brings me to the point. Do you think we could ever see a hyperbaric application of hydrogen gas, you know, with the cannula? So you're not, you know, you know, with the proper, concentration so that you're not creating a potentially uh, explosive environment? Yeah, I think it's possible. I, I do. I think that's an interesting idea. I know um, another way people don't really think about this is you can bathe in that, which is fascinating to me. Right. You know, I was teaching a class this weekend, and um, a lot of people don't notice. A lot of the NFL people, uh, players do that right now. They don't talk about it, but they'll use uh, molecular hydrogen and bathe in it. So I think there's all kinds of applications out here to be determined. And uh, I'm grateful for, for people that try new things, but be careful. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. I'm grateful for that. That's good. But the idea behind it is I think the, um, the potential for this is, I don't want to use the word unlimited because I think everything's got a limit. So I don't know, you know, is it, is, is it a bad thing to breathe or drink too much of that? We don't know. There's, there's nothing that shows it yet, science-wise, you know? Uh, do we know that so far, you can't overdo, overdose this? So far, but I'm sure there might be a potential time where, you know, something could say, well, you don't want to have it in this condition at this level. Don't know. But, but I think the, uh, there's so many potential out here that are undiscovered. And that excites me to get people thinking like you just did. I mean, maybe there's somebody listening right now that says, hey, that might be something I can begin to, to look at. 
and explore and and see why it can't work. Why not? And uh, I think that's that's amazing. I'm glad you brought up the transdermal application of the baths. You know, again, any developers, entrepreneurs out there, like we need a generator that you can put in a bathtub. Totally. That just saturates the water with hydrogen. I'm thinking like, a, a, you know, people have those jets, you know, just yeah. simply make the jets into uh, a protein exchange membrane, you know, and that wouldn't be a bad thing to sit there and, and, and bathe. And, and it would be kind of cool. You could put a blue light in there like this. And make it, you know, you <laughs> the bubbles, right? Totally. Yeah. I experimented with that. Actually, from time to time, I'll get this, uh, I think it's bursitis in my right foot. And it's just, you know, I've seen people buy it. No one can figure it out. So the, we've just deduced that it must be that. And so it'll just be this really painful feeling kind of in the ball of my foot right behind my, my little toes. And uh, so I thought, well, I don't know. Let me try doing it with hydrogen. If it ever acts up, I go two or three days, I, I'll put this hydrogen water in a, in a little pan and soak my foot in there for half an hour and it's gone. And then it'll be months and months and it, it'll come back occasionally. But I find each time I do that little round, there's a longer period of time before it comes back to where now I haven't had it. I don't know. It's been many months since it's come back. Yeah. It's but a few of those treatments got rid of it. Yeah, like itis. Anytime we hear that or see that suffix itis, I-T-I-S, that simply means inflammation. And there's a connection there between inflammation and oxidative stress. Excess free radicals create inflammation. Excess inflammation creates free radicals. They're hand in hand. And because of that phenomena that you just experienced yourself, it would make perfect sense that if you were to submerge that, now how it works at this point, I think is undetermined, but it would make sense that if somehow that molecule, which is so small, could get into your system, which it did, and somehow or another, it mitigated the free radicals that were tied to the inflammation, therefore relieving the itis, reversing the itis, I think that's what you probably experienced. That makes sense. Yeah, it's a, just one of those hacks I try. I like to try crazy stuff, see if it works so I can share it with, you know, potentially tens of thousands of people that just heard this conversation are going to go, oh, shit, I have, a, I have inflammation in my foot or oh, yeah. plantar fasciitis or whatever. Let me give it a try. It's well, like I thought it, carpal tunnel, you know, yeah. that, that's an interesting because that's a repetitive motion. What would be wrong if somebody's got those symptoms to, to soak their hands in some hydrogen water? Don't know. Will it work? Maybe. And if it does... Repeat often, right? Just like you're doing. You learned it worked, so you repeated it often. Right, yeah. And a friend of mine uh, has a company called uh, HydroShot, H2Bev. And they, they make the only, that I'm aware of, the only hydrogen can drink. And they went through all this R&D to figure out how to keep the gas contained in the can because the molecule is so freaking small. Oh, yeah. It'll escape in any you know, plastic bottle or anything. Um, they just came out with this other, I don't know if it's come to market yet, and I forget the name offhand, so forgive me, but he came up with a little hydrogen mister. Oh, that, interesting. Yeah, there's a solution you put in there. It has to be refrigerated, and then you put the, the solution in the little mister, and man, they have all these before and after pictures of people with burns, cuts, aging, uh, eczema, psoriasis, all this stuff. And in four weeks, people are clearing their skin just from spraying this highly concentrated hydrogen mist on their skin. So I think there's a lot of, hopefully a lot of emerging applications like that that are going to come out. People put their head together and 
get some science going and some engineering going and come up with products that allow us to use this in different ways. Because drinking, it's great and soaking your foot in it, but it'd be hard to take this water and keep the concentration necessarily to spray your skin cancer or something that's more serious. That's what it is. You know, the thing about it is it's hard to contain it. You know, it's like trying to, trying to keep a spider out of a palace. Can't do it. You know, it, it'll get in there, or get out of there somehow or another because it is um, quite small. It's the smallest thing we know of. And so I think because it's the smallest thing we know of, we don't know how to contain that because, frank, frankly, it's never been contained, has it? Look around. I mean, we are literally uh, breathing, you know, hydrogen all the time. It's, it's everywhere. It's part of who we are. Thinking about the, ox, the, the way that it selectively scavenges free radicals, I'm thinking about EMF. I talk about EMF a lot on this show because it's just I'm an advocate for EMF protection. And um, I think one of the things that really bothers us about travel, whether in one of these modern cars that has a Wi-Fi router blasting you and Bluetooth and you're driving through cities with all these cell towers, being on an airplane that's got Wi-Fi, solar radiation, all this, uh, does it make sense to you that the reason drinking hydrogen water in those high EMF environments is so helpful? Are you aware of any research or anecdotal evidence that drinking hydrogen water can help make you more resilient to EMF exposure? Yeah, from an anecdotal standpoint, I mean, it's going to be hard to sort of find the ability to create a study, a randomized, double-blind, placebo-controlled study on EMF or not, because who's going to be your subjects, right? Yeah, I'm not. (laughs) No, I'm not. So it's the same as um, eating healthy, you know, overeating poorly. I mean, you're not going to find a study where you give, you know, 20 humans McDonald's for two months and then 20 humans random. You can't do it, right? So I think the potential out there for usage is great, as I stated. But from an anecdotal standpoint, the the idea behind that, when you get this EMF exposure, you're going to get this cellular disruption. And anytime you get cellular dysmetabolism, you know, the, the body works like this, right? So you got your, your cells that they have the, the nucleus, which contains your DNA. Then you have all these organelles in the cytoplasm and you have your cell membrane. One of the organelles is called the mitochondria, right? The mitochondria is responsible for creating the energy for the cell to operate. The mitochondria is the main generator of that, but it's also the main generator of free radicals. Double-edged sword. It's it's crazy, (laughs) you know? And interestingly enough, inside the mitochondria, there's only 37 DNA. And most DNA is wrapped in this sort of covering called histones, but not in the mitochondria. So they're really exposed, right? So when you get their pre-radical buildup in the mitochondria that doesn't get dealt with, it creates mitochondrial disruption. And if you think about this, they have associated this idea of long-haul COVID with mitochondrial damage, mitochondrial dysfunction. There's a lot of associated studies on that. Now, with that said, whatever that is, EMF would do the same thing. It would disrupt the mitochondria's ability to produce energy for the cell. The cell is supposed to produce protein that makes the tissues, that makes the organs, that makes the organ systems, that creates the organism. So we're talking about cellular disruption can create organism dysfunction. EMF is the epitome of an example of that because we live in it. We're always being challenged by this. It's always disrupting that cell. And again, I think from a reasonable standpoint, when people realize that, that you're not going to be able to avoid it all, 
You can try. Good luck. You might have to find an island somewhere in the middle of the Pacific. And you'll still get Starlink blasted yeah, down. You will. Your look around. It's in the air. Right? And so the thing is, it, it makes sense to me that even in those scenarios like that, Luke, we would um, absolutely see benefit from using hydrogen water, hydrogen gas, hydrogen bath, anything like that. Awesome. And I almost forgot to let listeners know, if you guys want to check out this HydroFix that I've been uh, raving about here today, you can find it at lukestory.com slash holyhydrogen. And if you use the code Luke100, you save 100 bucks. That's lukestory.com slash holyhydrogen. And we'll put all of the stuff we've talked about and we'll continue to talk about at lukestory.com slash hydro. Uh, one other thing I want to ask you about was uh, Brown's gas machines. Are, have you had any experience with these or know anything about them? Every time I talk about hydrogen, I get people coming into my comments saying, oh, no, Brown's gas, Brown's gas. And it, again, it's one of those things like I was talking about before. I just, I just can't get my head around it to research who's making the right one. Is it effective? Is it better than hydrogen? Is it the same? Do you know anything about this Brown's it, gas thing? It's not the same. Okay. Right. And people would look at the... Uh, molecular composition of Brown's gas, and you're going to get a variety of answers, which I think is the, I think that's the hole in that research right there. Uh, could it provide benefit? Maybe. But exactly what is it? What parts of this, that, and the other is Brown's gas? And I think there's going to be a bunch of different answers with that. But one thing we do know, that hydrogen works, right? Because that makes sense, small, molecule. I've had people approach our clinic about Brown's gas and say, Things like, well, you should be using Brown's gas because of this. And I asked for the papers. I asked for the science. I don't find any. I don't find anything on that. And that troubles me because anybody can make a hypothesis or anybody can make a statement. But I want to know, has it ever been backed up? Has it ever been tested? Our friend, you know, Tyler LeBaron would, would say this if he were on the show is, in everything you look at it and everything somebody says, Wisdom is trying to poke a hole in that, why it's not true. But when you start asking questions about Brown's gas and some of this, you get people that push back. Instead of like accepting the feedback, you don't get the answers. And I find that to be troubling. And to me, that's a big old red flag, quite honestly. And I just won't, I won't go there. I suppose there's some benefit to Brown's gas out there, but I haven't seen the papers and the studies that have benefited that under the scrutiny of my wife and myself. Okay, noted. Yeah, I mean, some people that I have rapport with, I mean, no one that I'm really close to, but uh, some respectable people have talked about the Browns gas and recommended it and said, Luke, why aren't you on board? You got to do a show on it. And I guess maybe if I can track down the top dog in the Browns totally, gas if world. Totally, find him, put him my way, because I want to know. Yeah, too. I mean, I, I, I'm really curious about it just because so many people, uh, well, not so many people, but there, there is a, a, a micro subculture of people that are just fanatics for the Browns gas. And I don't really understand what it is, what it does, research to support it. So I'm going to put that in my you know to-do list of finding someone that can really explain it. I think one thing about hydrogen that is unlike that is as you've indicated, there are, I don't know, maybe thousands, but certainly hundreds of valid third-party scientific studies about hydrogen that aren't coming from anyone that sell anything having to do with hydrogen. These are academic studies, right? Like a guy like Tyler LeBaron, I mean, his website, I mean, you have to be a real brainiac to even go into the studies on there, but they're just endless. It does this, it does that, it does this, it does that. So, you know, I, I'm not always... 
a stickler for studies? Because sometimes, like you said, something can't be studied. Like, can you? How do you really study uh, mitigating EMF using hydrogen if you can't really create that study or if no one has funding to do that study? So I'm not hung up on it, but it is helpful. It, it, it kind of speeds up my process of vetting something when I can look on a website and go, oh, okay, shit, there's 45 studies right there that say totally. it does what it promises to do. Let me ask you something. Do you ever struggle with brain fog or sometimes find it hard to focus on a task? Do you ever have trouble recalling names, dates, or where you left things? Well, let's face it, we all get a little brain foggy or forgetful from time to time. And let me tell you, when I hit my 50s, I definitely needed to step up my nootropics game to stay on point. And ever since I first tried this stuff called Collagenius a few years ago, I became obsessed. I immediately felt calm and focused, my mind was clear, and my ability to memorize and recall information went up significantly. No joke. Collagenius comes in a delicious chocolatey powder that you can simply mix with water, smoothie, coffee, just about anything. When I got on Collagenius, it quickly became a non-negotiable ingredient in my morning cup. One scoop transforms my coffee or smoothie into a delicious mood-boosting mocha elixir. The stuff is wild. Every serving of Collagenius contains the equivalent of 1.2 pounds of mushrooms, including lion's mane, reishi, cordyceps, and chaga. Now, each of those is a powerhouse in its own right, but together they make a potent blend that actually helps repair your brain. It boosts something called BDNF, which supports improved learning and memory. It also contains cacao and collagen, which provide antioxidants, mood support, improved brain function, and more. To get on board with this stuff, here's what you do. Go to newtopia.com slash lukegenius and use the code LUKE10. And seriously, if you want to upgrade your mental capacity, Collagenius is a no-brainer. See what I did there? And you can try it risk-free with Newtopia's money-back guarantee. So seriously, what are you waiting for? That's newtopia.com slash lukegenius, N-O-O-T-O-P-I-A. And again, don't forget to use that code LUKE10 to save 10%. Even with this, you're going to get uh, some of that because um, there's like there's well over a thousand papers and stuff on this type of technology. Most of it's to do with drinking, which is cool. If people get out there and search it on your own, it's it's kind of neat. But you know, it, it's hard to really tie this specifically to condition specific. How do you really quantify? You know, when somebody says, you know, I had this, for example, you know, I have a eczema, right, and I sprayed it with a mist. Okay. Um, that's good. I'm glad. But what else could have dealt with the remediation of that? And so that doesn't mean you don't use it. It just means there's there's holes in those things and they're reasonable holes. And that's okay. That's what makes us better. I think we eliminate bias when we eliminate, when we allow room for holes to be recognized, like you just said. And it's okay. We just got to do what we know to do. And if something works, use it. If something makes sense, go with it until it doesn't make sense. Totally. Right? Yeah. And also being able to admit, admit, to have the humility to admit when you had it wrong. Totally. It's like those years ago when I was all gung-ho on the Kangen machine. I mean, it was like sliced bread to me. And then, you know, it took me a few months to realize, oh man, I just wasted (laughs) $5,000. And some time. Sold that shit on eBay, you know, and made a little of the money back for someone who did believe in it. Uh, but I think it's a, it's a, it's healthy for the psyche 
and just just as a person just makes life smoother when you can you know not be too tightly attached to an idea or belief right hold things loosely and be willing to kind of you know take your licks when you got something wrong and in the case of me or a guy like you sometimes publicly I'm like hey I know I was really into this thing I learned some more. I learned that there was something better and I've pivoted. And I, I think there's a, a negative habit kind of in, in the health space where if you promote an idea or you get behind something and then you learn more later and you change your mind, people take that as to be um, being ingenuous or, or fraudulent. It's like, no, I really believed this at the time and I was very sure about it. And then I was further educated and and changed. I mean, I think that's a healthy mind. It is. And a lot of people, it's, it's how you present things, right? You know, I'm always very uh, aware of how I say things, you know, do, you know, I, I hear, I'll just use an example, even with hydrogen, you know, you need to drink hydrogen so you won't get cancer. Um, okay. You can say that, but I can't guarantee that because there's so many things out there that contribute to anything. All things can make anything happen. Anything can make all things happen. We're all connected, right? I'm connected with the tree and you and, and the air. We're all this, we're all connected. So we don't really know what causes everything, but we're knowing more every day about what we can do better to prevent the destruction of our human bodies other than the normal biological aging process and speed. We're learning more stuff about what we can do. Some would call it the biohacking space, whatever. But I think that the people that do that and always are trying new things and on the edge out there, I think that's the heroes of true, true healthcare. True healthcare. What we have today in our world, in our country specifically, is not healthcare. It's sick care. This is leaning more towards the healthcare. We care enough about people, about their health, to give them information to try new things, to employ new strategies that we know work. Yeah, will we know better five years from now? Hope so. Absolutely. I hope so. I don't see hydrogen as far as being one of those things that won't become beneficial because of what I know to be biochemically true because the genes, I, I use this as a foundation, the genes have only changed 2% in 10,000 years. That's as close to a concrete statement that we can make. That is amazing. No matter what we do, that's still going to be a good statement, right? So I can take everything from that foundation and I can go upwards from that, Luke. And I can know that if I anchor to that concrete, I have a better chance of getting it right. You know, and if people begin to think like that, people begin to make more sense out of this. Because we can't be like sort of trying different things randomly because somebody says so. It needs to make sense. It needs to make commonsensical. And there's a lot of things out here that are being promoted that are not commonsensical to me. Yeah, <laughs> I can think of so many right oh. now. Just watching the health trends over the years, you know, it's like, oh, here it comes again. Oh, yeah. Sometimes, things, stuff. sometimes they, they come in waves, some of the trends that you found early on and proved to be less effective or a waste of time or money. Uh, the last thing I want to ask you is uh, about the difference between inhalation and drinking hydrogen infused water. Now the, the Hydrofix machine here, you can do both, right? You can hook a cannula up to it and you can breathe hydrogen or you can drink it. Um, I'm such a fan, as I said, I also have a separate inhaler because I just, I need it by my desk because I use it constantly. 
Um, but I, I'm people ask me all the time, well, what are the different benefits, you know, of inhaling the gas versus drinking it? And I honestly don't know. I just do both because I figure it's good and it it feels good. But <laughs> thank you. Can you cite any research or experience clinically that you know what well, would be the purpose of doing either or both? So think about the difference in delivery methods. One's delivered through the air. One's delivered through the water. One's coming in here and going down. The first location it's going to hit is the gut, and it's going to hit the liver. Right. That's what water's going to do. Um, breathing, it doesn't do that. It's going to cross the blood-brain barrier immediately. So if I have someone that has um, traumatic brain injury, something like that, or has uh, a, had a stroke, I'm going to lean more towards the inhalation of that. Right. That would make sense because I want to be able to create the uh, diminishment of those free radicals leading to brain inflammation. I'm thinking that like as a hypothesis, I would think the uh, NFL players, because they're hitting their heads all the time, it would make perfect sense for them to post-game do a little bit of inhaled hydrogen. That would make a lot of sense to me because you're going to be able to prevent damage and promote healing. Now, if someone has a leaky gut, which many do, you know, the leaky gut phenomena, the hyperpermeability of the membranes of the small intestine, et cetera, I'm probably going to lean with the water because it's going to come down through there and it's going to help with my dysbiosis, right? It's going to help with the oxidative stress and inflammation in my gut. The idea behind this is to have both delivery methods. The third one you mentioned is what about bathing or, or submersion? Well, you put your foot in the water, okay? That's a whole different delivery method because it's coming in transdermally. So I think there's application for all of it. So it's kind of common sense. It's like, w what area of the body are you trying to focus on? That's it. Right? If you yeah. have eczema, then spraying some of the mist or applying the water to it is going to be your, your first go-to if you're having some something from the neck up, the inhalation. So yeah, it, it makes sense. Just kind of, you think about where do you want it to go? Where do you want that energy to be applied? Yeah, yeah and with that said, I want to just make sure, you know, people today, I think the greatest fear we have is not losing our life, it's losing our mind. You know, so so I want to make sure that I, I'm doing the right things to ensure that I have good memory, good capacity to stay plastic, you know, keep the brain inflammation down so that I can actually, um, you know, do what I want to do and do what I need to do and, and uh, continue to learn. Awesome. All right. In closing, tell us a little bit about what you do in your clinic out there in Tulsa. A lot. Um, we actually do a lot of things. We'll, we'll deal with... Uh, there's seven areas that we deal with as a primary function. Uh, four areas we have control over, need some help, nutrition, sleep, stress management, movement. Those four areas we all have a hand in. You know, we've got to own them. We might need some help. But then there's areas we don't know anything about. Genetics, right? We do a lot of genetic work with people. Everybody comes in, gets a genetic panel done. Genes aren't born bad, by the way. We just look at them as roadmaps on how to direct us to the right pathway of genetic expression. We deal with hormones a lot. Hormones are not bad if done correctly. There's, there's a whole field out there of hormones that is looked at as a bad thing, but we use um, bioidentical hormones, human identical hormones to make sure that we're actually meeting the needs of the body from a communicative, communicative standpoint. And then we deal with glycans. The glycobiology science is interesting because there's those are little sugars on the outside of our proteins. And who knew that, right? That's a whole that's a whole other science that you have to be discovered. So we we make sure we have a good uh, stable glycan structure on our immune system molecules like our IgG. 
And we make sure that we're able to test that and, and augment that as well. So look for the seven things we deal with. And we have a, a whole bunch of comprehensive tests that we do. We can, of course, typical stuff, blood work and, um, you know, stool tests, urine tests, all that stuff. But we can also test to see how your biological aging processes and speeds are coming along. So I can, I can test your actual um, biological age or actual immune age compared to your chronological age. People find that pretty cool. You know, they, that's really cool. I they like, like that. You yeah, know? I'd like to do that. Yeah. I mean, that's encouraging when you get metrics like that because it, it helps you with compliance and staying totally. on. It's like a game. It's like people want to win the game. Exactly. You know, if you can gamify this whole process of, of the biohacking, I, I don't even like the functional medicine term, functional healing term. You know, you get people to comply and they really have a, a good time with that and they're drawn to you. Uh, do you guys work with peptides at all? Oh, peptides. We do a ton of those. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, we are well into the peptides. We were doing that before it was cool. So we'll use uh, the brain ones like Cerebrolysin, Dihexa, C-Link, C-Max. We use some of the BPC-157s, Tessamorlin, Sermorlin, um, just a, a, a GHK copper, Epitalin. You know, oh, I, all the greatest hits. Yeah, NAD. I, I, I'll inject NAD sub-Q pretty much three or four days a week. We also... We'll do a slow push IV with it. So nice. Yeah, I love the peptides. Yeah, I've talked about it on a lot of shows. And I I think it's I mean, thankfully it's gaining some traction and people are becoming more aware of it. I think there's a bit of a although there's been one barrier to entry in that you need to work with a clinician or a practitioner. And then many people uh, are adverse to injecting something, you know, and I always tell I'm like, it's an insulin needle. You don't even feel not it hard. It's really not a big deal. I don't like needles and I, I do it many days a week. I'm oh yeah. I'll, I probably inject myself three or four times every day. And once we actually show them how to do it, you know, and so we're actually going to handhold them, you know, as they did the first time. And then I've had people that are uh, just deathly afraid of needles. I mean, even to the point of passing out that are now doing it. They're like, I never thought I could do that. Because you don't feel it. It's just a little sub-Q injection, subcutaneous into the fat tissue. And it's like butter. You don't you don't really feel any pain. Yeah, that's like butter. Yeah, I got a lot of butter on my belly. Goes right in. No pain. No pain. Uh, you mentioned C-Max. And I, and I remembered, uh, as you mentioned that, my friend, Dr. John Laurent, sent me a little nasal sprayer. Of C-Max. And before our interview, I did a couple hits of that. Do, do you find that to be effective for I do. cognitive um, issues? I mean, as one that doesn't have to be injected? Yeah, I like C-Max and C-Link. I like the intranasal delivery on those because just like the hydrogen through the cannula, it's, it's going to cross that blood-brain barrier. Um, those things do produce that brain-derived neurotropic factor, BDNF, which we want to have. Think about that as a brain fertilizer. And so really happy with those. I'll keep um, C-Max and C-Link pretty much around me all the time. Just as a preferential thing, I'll use C-Max during the day and I'll use C-Link before bed. Not for any other thing other than preference. I've seen it. C-Link kind of causes more chill out effect and C-Max kind of causes more focus. Oh, cool. Do you ever use the, uh, the DSIP? Yeah, really have the Delta sleep inducing peptide. Uh, people that need to get off like uh, Ambien, amazing. People have had chronic insomnia because of childhood trauma, you know, abuse. Um, I got a lady case pointed uh, that has was abused and all kinds of trauma, was averaging about two hours of sleep a night. I mean, it was terrible. And so even after, you know, being postmenopause, we brought in some micronized bioidentical progesterone and we cranked it up to 
you know, 400 milligrams, which is pretty good dose. Sometimes we go six on some people. It still wasn't creating the, the, the deep sleep that I wanted and the elongation of sleep. And she's been doing DSIP now for four or five months. And I've been tracking her sleep and she gets up there around six hours now. So it's, it's pretty much a, a miracle. And another guy reached out to us recently and, and I'm working with him as he's uh, weaning off of his highly addictive Ambien, you know, and we use DSIP to kind of bridge that gap. Cool. Cool. Love it. I love the cutting edge stuff. And do you, do you guys work with people remotely? Oh yeah. We have people okay, really cool. all around. That's the beauty of the last couple of years, you know, and the beauty of peptides and things. We have some really great sources now. And, uh, I think the opportunity I've had to get to know people around the country and around the world has been extraordinary. So that's been a, that's been a big old blessing to get to do that. Awesome. All right. We're going to put all your info uh, for contact in the, in the show notes and show description. Last question real quick before I let you get out of here. Who have been three teachers or teachings that have influenced your life or your work that you'd like to share with us? Just three. <laughs> I, I'm going to go, first of all, you know, um, the teachings of the Bible, number one, because no matter what people believe about that, whether they believe that's God's word or not, I do. But the principles there work. You know, and I, I really try to uh, study what I believe to be the Word of God every day, and I find that that gives me great peace. It gives me great guidance, and and, and I think from a number one standpoint, that's really good. I think number two behind that would be a combination of um, uh, the men I've had in my life, good, bad, and indifferent. Starting with my father, you know, he was he's kind of a mean old guy. He's still alive. But I did learn the value of hard work. I did learn the value that when um, you're tired, you don't feel good, you go to work anyway. And, and that stuck with me. It's a good thing. Today, we live in a world where people don't go to work. You know, they don't want to. So I learned the value of hard work that way. And then um, probably third would be uh, my first college baseball coach. I, I thought I was something getting to to start when I was in college. I was a catcher. And uh, one lesson he taught me was, uh, and he taught it to me real time. In the middle of the game, I got very frustrated and threw my catcher's mask down, and I'm sure that the fans saw that. He made me take the catcher's gear off, made me leave the stadium, and run around that stadium four times before I could ever come back. <laughs> and, uh, you know, hard lesson. I was embarrassed, but I learned with that one, everybody's watching. Everything you do, you're always being watched. So what kind of person are you reflecting? What kind of person are you reflecting with the challenges we face from the day? And I always forgot that. It was a painful lesson, but man, I realized that um, I'm capable of acting like a fool. And I don't need to be broadcasting that, right? Thank you. Well, thank you for taking the time to join us today. I love talking hydrogen. Love good learning stuff. about you and your practice and all the good things you're doing in the world. Thanks for fighting the good fight and helping people live their best lives. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm.